Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Let's Talk CFL Podcast. Roundtable discussion recorded live on Sunday and Wednesday nights. Visit Let's Talk CFL on Facebook for showtime. Brought to you by the Let's Talk Sports Groups on Facebook. Our partners, LostWorldOnSports.com. Stream live on BlogTalkRadio.com. Good evening, football fans, and welcome to Let's Talk CFL podcast, episode number 284. I'm your host, Christopher Jones. We get to talk football for the next couple hours. Who with? All my buddies. Yeah, well, Mark's not here tonight. He's uh, kind of, I don't know what, what he's doing. He didn't give us really any excuse. He just said he's not going to show up tonight. And I go, you know, I'm really like, come on, it's football. Get get real. Okay, so anyhow, um, I got no rant. I, you know, I really haven't been paying attention too much, so I got nothing to rant about. So I'm just going to open up the phone lines, and we're going to go from there. Charles says he's going to be late, said he'd be here by 8 o'clock, but, you know, we know that that's not real. So uh, maybe 5 after, 10 after, something like that. We'll get it going. We'll talk for with the boys a little bit and go from there. I got uh, Will McDonald and uh, Chris. Chris is back with us, and uh, welcome back, buddy. How's it going? Everything okay? And moving forward. Football season. You ready? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm ready to get back into football for sure. It was a tough wait, couple wait. weeks of personal and, and uh, missing football. Yeah. Well, we uh, we also missed your scores last, last week, and that was probably a good thing. The rest of us all got to get some points. It's kind of catching yeah. up to you a little bit, but we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah. Will, welcome, buddy. Hello. How you doing? I'm just living the dream as always. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't believe you. Your wife spent nine hours watching football with you like that. I can't believe it either. But <laughs> so, what and, was she doing she with did, the headphones on? What was she watching? Or what she movies? She doing Netflix she's, movies. She's watching Netflix. Netflix on her iPad or computer or something. Was it? I don't know, porn or something. Who knows? Um, but it she didn't matter. You were watching notice. football. No, no, she didn't notice. She looked up a couple of times and said, oh, that guy missed that field goal. That's not good. <laughs> she was right. Okay. So, oh. I mean, you know, maybe all these years of sitting around me while the football games are on, she's just gotten some knowledge. I don't know. Yeah, well, uh, I guarantee you, my wife couldn't tell you what a field goal was, whether or not the guy missed it or not, and whether or not that would have been a good thing. Because yeah, it's only a well, it's only a good thing or a bad thing if it's your team that missed it. Right. So right. you know, and she probably still can't understand why I've wasted most of my life watching football. But oh well. You know, I, <laughs> we all I, have those things. I really don't understand that. You know, it's kind of weird. Um, everybody doesn't understand football. You know, and they say, "Well, football is just like hockey or baseball," and I said, "It's not." It's very, very strategic. Well, I would tend to wonder, and this is something I've always wondered about, when, okay, because I played football, I know what's involved. I'm wondering if the average person, you know, when when all those big fat guys on the line run into each other, I wonder if they realize there's a rhyme and reason to it. I've always wondered that. 
or do they just think they run into each other and then what happens happens? You mean people ask you that? No, nobody's asked me that, but I'm wondering if people actually know. Well, we all do. You know what? Well, no, but we all played football. That's why we know. Well, but the yeah, but who's never played football. There's lots of people who never played football, but are still football fans. And, and I wonder if they know there's a rhyme or reason to the fat guys running into each other. Well, you know what I mean. I, Do they you know, realize there's holes and there's numbers and there's plays called and certain things mean certain things. I mean, like you know is, when they have open, yeah. when they have live night games. And those guys do off all that crap. I wonder if anybody really knows what they're talking about. I don't know. I, I, I watch think. football, and it's like a, a multiple level. It's chess on multiple levels. You've got like eight different players, like chess players, which are coaches, because it, and, and they're, they're, it's a multi-dimensional chess game. Right. And, and it, 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 when they all clash together and it all comes through and eat this, this chess master is moving these pieces, and this chess master is moving these pieces, and then there's somebody else is trying to counteract that guy and there's somebody else trying to counteract this guy, and then you never know what the hell's going to happen because some player's going to screw up and drop the ball, where in chess you've got your finger on the, on the pawn and you can move him where you want him to. But in a football game, that pawn sometimes is a fucking idiot and he goes and does something real dumb. So, you know, it, to me, it's just a, it's an amazing game. But I think one of the reasons why so many people, for example, watch hockey is because well, it's you, pretty simple. It's pretty yeah. simple, okay? You put the puck in the net, and I know they have, I know they have systems and so on and so forth, but there's only there's only you know ten guys or twelve guys on the ice at once, and you know it's it's a pretty simple game to figure out. Yeah, and baseball's football's even a dumber. Whole different football's a whole different ball of wax. Welcome, Charles. How Hello. you doing, buddy? Good. Hello, Just Charles. You're listening to the to the uh, conversation here. Yeah, glad you could make it. Very good. Yes. Sorry, so I'm a couple you, minutes late. I was just finishing something up. What What do you think? Do you think uh, football is a complex sport, or do you think it's just a bunch of fat guys running into each other? Having been on the sidelines, even though it was for minor football, like for kids' football and stuff like that, I know exactly how uh, complex it is. I mean, sure, there's some people who watch it, you know, the casual fans and stuff like that, it might just look like a bunch of fat guys running into it. But if you're on the field and you're at practices and you're seeing the plays as they're being drawn up, you'll realize exactly how uh, technical it is. So it's very much, um, I think, a technical sport. Um, it could be seen different ways, but in my mind it is extremely technical. Okay, question for Chris. Do you hmm. believe it's as complex and as technical at the minor level as it is at the pro level, as it is in the college level. It's different speed. It goes at different speed, no doubt about it. But do you think that the the play creation is similar? It's similar, but 
the complexity goes up as you go up, uh, just based off of uh, comprehension and ability to execute. Because of course. Yeah. The, re- the reason that it is such a chess match and such a, a complex sport and why people miss that it is, is because people don't realize that there's 12 people out there and every one of them has to do their job exactly right for something to actually work. And when you start looking at film and diagnosing film, you can actually pick out where the play failed. And that's what they do. And you're starting to see more film being done at the, even at the junior high level. Um, but when your your players at the maturity level can only understand so much and learn so much. So you've got probably coaches that could be at higher levels that are trying to do that, but you always got to keep it simple so that your audience is accepting and, and understanding. But, but I mean, that's, it could be if you have the right players, it can be very complex at the lower levels, but at, at that age group, you usually just don't have those players. You usually have one or two, we would call them studs and you design stuff around those kids because they get it or they're just that much more uh, athletic or, or lots of times it's not just the athleticism. It's really about understanding and getting it. If you've got a couple kids that get it, you're going to be able to win football games and you can do more with them. But the majority of your players are there learning the sport still and are just there for fun, which is great. And really at the, the lower levels, you really are back to the, just a bunch of big guys running into each other. We call it Sandlot. Like there's certain terminologies you, you you use, and I've run Sandlot as far up as high school, but not a ton. And it usually is only when I have a couple of players, especially if my quarterback really understands the game, and you you're comfortable with your quarterback, you can kind of run a little bit of Sandlot where you just kind of go out and tell your receivers to run whatever you can see is going to be open and throw the ball. <laughs> but Again, you, you, I mean, coaches do something that that that's not It's not like you know. It's like the guy that runs the the orchestra, um, waving the stick. Nobody thinks the guy's doing anything. Well, he is. It's just you don't know what it is because you don't know unless you're in that. Well, football's the same way. The coaches aren't there holding clipboards to look pretty. I mean, they spend hours and hours and hours figuring out what the best plan is for the team you're going to play, and it just it's just much less technical at the minor levels. We don't do a lot of planning for the teams we're playing. We do a lot more planning about self-scouting to try and just get execution at a high level of of your team. Because at the minor levels, if you can execute well, you're going to win your games no matter what the other team's doing. Because that's the key is it's that execution and understanding at the lower levels. But that complexity runs through the whole game, no doubt about it. You can't play football unless you're just doing sandlot games without that level of complexity and, and understanding. Hey, Sandlot football is fun. Yes, it is. And, and Don't get I encourage it a hundred percent. We play, we play off season flag football indoors and, and it's always Sandlot. The kids run the whole thing themselves. We just book the spaces and, and uh, organize it and let them go play. It's a huge part of the game. Cause that's, what's fun. Everybody wants to catch the ball. Everybody wants to score touchdowns. Now nobody wants to play O-line and just push people around mm-hmm. all the time. So I, I used to play what we called hangover football. And that Sunday morning, badly hungover, no pads, full contact, in the rain, in the mud, and go at it. Yeah. And then go drink beer afterwards. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely is. There's lots of levels to the game. But when you're watching a pro game, the amount of complexity that goes into that is mind-boggling. Yeah, like, it's, like, like I said, you, it's a multi-dimensional chess game. And if you even just saw the playbooks, those guys have to memorize. You'd, you'd, walk, yes. you'd, you'd, you'd understand they're getting – everybody says they're getting paid to play a game. Well, you know what? <laughs> There's lots of – you can't just play the game. You've got to understand the game. And there's a lot of work that goes into that. There's a reason that they talk about Mike Riley and those guys showing up at 5 in the morning and not leaving until 7. They're not just watching TV or drinking coffee. There's a lot of work to be put in. Well, they probably do both of those things. Well, they're well, doing some of that. Yeah, but, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they do. But So, no, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. And that's why the more you get into it, uh, the more you'll enjoy the game because – even when there's like say a boring game that you'd call a defensive battle where the scores are really low, there's something to watch and there's something to appreciate in every game because even the blowouts, the team that's doing the blowing out is executing extremely well. And that's why I love, I do love going to live games. I wish I wasn't an area I could because you can see the whole field. You're not, you're not hampered by what the TV's showing you. You can actually oh, see mm-hmm. plays develop because you you can watch what's going on, and if you understand it at that level, that's that's the the symphony of the game. It's like a performance, and that, and you know people bitch. What's the big bitch about football? Well, it's too slow because they stop after each play. Well, yeah, because they have to think about what they're doing <laughs> and they're resetting. They're <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah re- redoing a diagnostic and and that's why these games people that don't understand that's why these games change so much after halftime because what do they do at halftime well they go in and they look at what happened and they make adjustments and the teams that do poorly are the ones that can't adjust you know and i've been in those games like i i've i, I was coaching in a game where we were getting killed and we went in halftime and, and the def- you know the defensive dc just had to you know like they it's, when the game's happening it's so fast it's hard to to get adjusted till you have that and it's only 15 minutes but sometimes that's all it takes to sit down with the coach and say listen okay this is what they're doing that's killing us we know how to stop this let's go back and do it and we will and they do and they, the ha- second half's totally different so we've heard this so many times before and it's it's such a it's there's so much truth to it and nobody truly and greatly appreciates these words but when they sit and say that Mike Riley is a student of the game or when this player is a student of the game, they mean it. This is something that you actually have to study. It's something that you have to put in time and effort and everything else to do it. You can't be a casual player. You have to be all in and it is phenomenal. And it's not hockey is not like that. Baseball is not like that. No other sport that I know of is like football. No. No. Well, and I mean, that's what the difference between an elite quarterback and an okay quarterback is, in my opinion. Because they're all at that level because they can throw a ball. It's how well, how many times have you heard that he can't read defenses? Well, what does that mean? Well, that means he can't read defenses, which is a massive part of the game. If you don't understand what they're doing against you, then you'll never be successful. And. What was the biggest knock against Manziel? He didn't take the game serious enough. He's caught all the yeah. skills. Why isn't he an elite quarterback in the NFL? Well, because he screwed around a lot, and that was part of the problem. But it's also because he didn't take it serious. He didn't learn the playbook. He lived off his athletic ability and his scrambling. 
Why isn't he a Doug Flutie? Well, because he hasn't respected the game enough to take the time to learn that what it takes to be a professional football player. He's got the skill set. Pipkin's got the skill set. You see, all these guys got the skill set. What makes them elite is when they take that last step and become a huge student of the game. And, I mean, obviously there is athletic abilities because I think Matt Nichols is a student of the game. I just think he's lacking in his ability compared to Mike Riley. Yeah. And, and you can see which players are lacking in ability and which ones are lacking in knowledge and which ones are lacking in preparation. And, you know, yeah. no, no quarterback in the CFL gets to this level without being talented and and yeah, and high not. echelon quarterback. It's even what, the third stringers. Yeah, it's yep. what brings them. Even Drew Willie, what takes yep. them to the next level is what makes the difference. And what makes them a quarterback in the CFL is the ability to take all of this together and make something wonderful out of it. And it yep. it is purely entertaining. It is such a sight to watch a quarterback come together like that. Watching Mike Riley is amazing. I hate Edmonton, but watching Mike Riley perform is amazing. It really is. Yeah. Okay. Shall we go on and talk some football? Oh, God, we've been doing that. Let's talk about some games, okay? This one's funny. Toronto is coming to Calgary. And it's he's coming in the in the last. When, when are they coming to to Calgary? When it's cold, this stadium is going to be empty. <laughs> Calgary's going to slaughter them, so nobody wants to watch that. Nobody wants to sit in the cold and watch that. Will you're having problems we'll giving your tickets away, eh? Yes, <laughs> I am. Know. I I may I may just. Put it up on Facebook tomorrow and see who calls me. <laughs> That'll make the game exciting for me. See what kind of weirdos sit next to me at the game. Anyways, you you might even want to want to stay home yourself. No, I'll never do that. If I have an opportunity to go to an outside football game, I'll go to an outside football game. Sorry, oh, okay, okay, just my okay. nature. Just yeah, my yeah. nature. It's Friday night. The only thing I would do at home is watch football. So. Why not sit outside? Do it in person, though. Because it's there freaking cold. <laughs> well, it's, I, I think they say game time is only going to be minus three. Okay. Wow. So. Pussy. Oh, that's, 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 that's cold. That's mild. That's, that's summer in Saskatchewan. I haven't decided if I'm going to wear my capris or not, Christopher, so probably will. Oh, Anyways. God. He actually sent me a picture of him in his capris once, okay? That's how I know that he's got them. He said, hey, look at this. And he said he was wearing capris. And I went, what are you doing? 27 pairs, Christopher. Okay. I think you need to hand in your man card, personally. (laughs) Okay, I'm I'm going with the new generation. I'm not going to be gender specific anymore, okay? God. It's got a dick. It's a boy. Okay, it's just my rule. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, should we talk about the game? Let's talk about the game. Toronto and Calgary. Uh, Charles. Toronto and Calgary. Toronto and Calgary. Okay. Well, um, Toronto really doesn't look very good right now. Um, no. They've been being beaten. <laughs> it's not so. They, yeah, yeah, it's not so. 
And it kind of sucks because I like Mark Tressman, but this might be one of the longest years, seasons of his life. Well, either that or when he tried to coach the uh, Chicago Bears. But, um, yeah, this has been a long, long season for the Grey Cup champions. What a different – this is funny. It's kind of ironic because this is kind of the performance – we expected out of the Argos last season. Remember going into yes. last season yes. when they were in utter disarray and they didn't have a coach and they didn't have a GM? We thought, oh, well, they're going to be a disaster. What do they do? They turn around and win the Grey Cup. Coming into this season, most people were picking them to be the easy best team in the East. Some said they were going to be the best team in the CFL, period. What do well, they do? Nobody they on this show. Egg. Nobody on this show, but I did hear people say it. And this is, they're going into cold McMahon Stadium, poor Will, and uh, they're going to play a Stampeder team that is the best team in the Canadian Football League right now. I don't think there's much doubt about that. And I quite frankly think they're going to probably get crushed. I don't see a lot of hope for Calgary or for Excuse me for Toronto in this one. I just think that they are um, their team. That's I don't know if they've given up, but they don't look all that interested in playing. It, uh, I think there almost seems to be a finality with the Toronto Argonauts uh, that these guys aren't all that into it, and they're going to play a Calgary Stampeder team that's pretty much unbeatable on their home field. And I think this Calgary Stampede team is going to stay unbeatable on their home field because I think they're going to win this one. I think it's going to be going away. I just don't see the Argonauts hanging with them right now. We're going to talk a little bit longer with um, Deron Carter and stuff like that, but I don't know why they bothered to trade for him because, quite frankly, um, he has done absolutely – well, he's done less than nothing there. And yeah, but they haven't I'm let them. I'm not sure. They haven't let them, yeah. That, but that's my whole point. I don't know why they haven't been trying to work him in because it, it seems like they just got, brought him in now they're doing nothing with him. But uh, I'm going to pick the Stampeders at home, at home to win in this one. I think they win it, like I said, somewhat going away. I'm going to call this one Stampeders 30, 34 and uh, Toronto 14. Okay. Will, are you going in Toronto? You didn't pick Calgary Pardon last me? week. You did not yeah, pick no, Calgary last week. No, I didn't. I. Uh, are you going to pick Calgary Toronto this week? Playing. Calgary wasn't playing last week, Christopher. Oh, then the week <laughs> okay. before. Okay, and I didn't pick them the week before because I thought maybe if anybody was going to challenge them, it was Hamilton, but they proved me wrong, so... Anyways, I guess I shouldn't ever pick against Calgary. Um, Dumb. You know what? It's, it's going to be a cold game. They say the Stampeders don't play well in the cold. They've been off for a whole week, and Dave Dickinson has even said in interviews this week that they're not sharp on the fine details right now. they got lots of energy. They're running around. Um they're going to have a hard time deciding who to put in as running back because all of the running backs are healthy now, and a couple of them have been playing quite well. Um, uh, there's rumors that uh, – why can't I ever remember his name, my lord? 
Who's the big oh, wide Levi receiver, Mitchell. Chris? No, the oh. big wide receiver, Chris. That's, he was. He came back this year. He went to the NFL. Eric, Eric, Come on. Eric, Eric Rogers. Rogers. Eric Rogers. Eric Rogers. Apparently, Eric Rogers is going to be back this week. Or they're going to put in a guy who's been on their practice roster all year long, and they say he's quite good, too. And not sure if Deontay Evans is going to play because they want to give him another week, so they're going to put in Stoudermeyer in his place. Um, I don't really think with Calgary it matters who you put in. And, sorry, Cumbry Williams is still out with an injury, so they have a a rookie kid who's played center the last game, and he's going to play at this game as well. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a really, really close game because the Stampeders have some injuries in Toronto. You know, they could come out and blow the doors off and it could be just like the Grey Cup all over again. Yeah, I think not. Anyways, I'm going to pick uh, Calgary 48-21. to 21. Running away. Okay. Mark's got them. Uh, Calgary 27, Toronto 19. Will so far has given Toronto 21 points. He's the highest. I think that's kind of amazing. Well, I Chris. do like, uh, I do like, uh, I do like, what's his name? The quarterback. McLeod Bethel Thompson. McLeod Bethel Thompson. I think he's quite good if he gets time. Okay. Chris, Chris, up to you, buddy. Well, well I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to go with Calgary. I, I just, it's the question is by how much. So, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, you figure Calgary's going to take a step back when they lose all the receivers, but look at what Breskinson did and I, I, are in Bagleton. Uh, I mean, and uh, uh, they're going to win. Let's go. I'll go 38 to 20. I'll give them twenty points. I like I like what Toronto can do, and they and they don't mind the cold. We'll see. I'll give them twenty though. I think they'll do twenty points. Okay, so if I pick Toronto right now, my two to one score is pretty much okay, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Except I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pick Calgary to win, and I'm going to pick them um, twenty four to eighteen. Hmm. Okay. Could happen. Yeah. I'm going low. Okay, I'm going to go low here because Mark uh, Will went high. I was going to go in the 43 range, and I thought, well, you know, 48 is too close. Chris is at 38, and, yeah, there's not enough spread in there for maneuverability. So I'm going to go low on this one, go 24 <laughs> to 18, and uh, pick Calgary to win. Okay. There's no logic in what I'm doing here, okay? I just make shit up because who knows what this can do. We're doing, you know, I, I, something that we picked the other day is we should pick the team and the spread, like Calgary by twelve, or you know what I mean, uh-huh. as opposed to actually trying to pick a a, a score. I, th- I thought that would be an interesting twist on us. Not this year. It would have to be next year, but something to think about. Say, we can try that next year. Yeah. 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 What the hell? That Why not, right? Yep. I don't mind that. That would be interesting, yeah. I like that. Well, I mean, look, I like you, you, had a, you had a game the other day that was 
43 to 42 Edmonton over Calgary. Who would have picked a one point spread in that game? True. Right? One point. You know? And there's been lots of those kind of games where there has been one or two points. So you'd have to be pretty comfortable with that to call it for sure. Well, you either do that or you do a total points. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that would have been an 85, 85 points. Nobody would have caught that one either. I don't know. I like the spread because essentially what you're doing is you're saying whether you think they're close or not, right? Like whether you think the teams are going to be able to be competitive or not. Yeah. So, so like you, can Will still, right now, you can still call a blow. Yeah, if Will's calling a blow, right? And that's yeah, 27 points. Do, right? 27 yeah. points. Charles has got 20 points. You've got 18, and I've got six. Oh, yeah. Mark's got nine or eight. Yeah. But and in reality, you find, you're, and, 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 you're not really picking ahead, a blowout. You know what I mean? You're not really picking a blowout if you're going if you're saying Calgary by twelve or. You know, because we'd never have anybody going Calgary by 43. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, Why not? You would. You would do that. Well, you yeah. Might, I will know. do that. You I have done do that. that. Okay. You, you did like 52 to 3 for Montreal. You would Montreal pick Montreal. In the last. In the last. And I think Montreal beat Calgary. In, in the Calgary Hamilton game, the, the most recent one. I've got a I've got a sales rep in in Hamilton, and I gave him thirteen and a half points, and he still has to buy me lunch for the next time he's here. So, well, that's a good thing. Second yeah. game on the agenda: BC Lions heading to El or heading to Hamilton to uh, to play this thing, to play the rematch. Ooh, Hamilton's not happy about what happened. So Saturday afternoon game, 1 p.m. on the West Coast. So that means basically BC's playing at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. That's not so bad. So it's a 4 o'clock game start. Not like they playing at midnight in BC. Ha, ha, ha. Charles, pick your team. Well, what makes you think I'm going to do that? Okay. Uh, I know you're going to do that. These, I'm not a fool. Of course I am. Neither am I. Um, if these guys, if these two teams could have a game on Saturday half as good as the one they had last Saturday, uh, we're in for another fun game. Uh, last it, week's it, game was a barn burner. I didn't get to comment on it on Sunday. Um but I was still jacked up about it on Sunday because I actually I took my Android box down to Seattle so I could watch that game, and boy, was I glad that I did. But anyways, um, this week, last week's an old week, this week's a new week, and this week uh, Hamilton has a, will have another weapon this week because Brandon Banks is going to be back, and that can't be understated because Brandon Banks has been – uh, dynamite for this Hamilton offense. Um, the BC defense last week, even though the Lions won the game, they probably had their poorest outing in about four or five weeks. Um, they gave up too many big plays uh, to Hamilton. The secondary, I think, really had a tough night. There were too many guys open. So I'm really hoping that Mark Washington's going to be able to come out and make some adjustments in that secondary 
because they're just going to have one more weapon now in Brandon Banks that they're going to have to worry about. So that job is going to be even tougher. Um, I think last week's game is going to be a confidence booster for um, uh, Jonathan Jennings. I thought he uh, was fantastic last week. That's probably the best game I've seen him play since the Western semifinal against Winnipeg back in 2016. Um, I think that's easily his best game since then. And I think the real key uh, point here for uh, Jonathan Jennings is he did not throw a single interception. And I know a lot of people, they kind of refer to him as, uh, you know, an interception machine and blah, blah, blah. A lot of them were big fans, but whatever. Todd yeah, Mogi? that's kind of who I Todd that's kind of who I was hinting at. Yeah, um, but um, you know he he had didn't throw one last week. In fact, since he's come in, he's come in in relief of Lule two games before that, and played the whole game last week, and really the game before he played the whole game except for the first play. In those three appearances, he only has one interception. So he's starting to throw the ball to the right uh, to the right uh, team now. So I think he's got good chemistry going with Brian Burnham. I think Ricky Collins, uh, after a game uh, a few we- few weeks back where he was having a tough time holding the ball, he's been much better since that. And I think it's, these two teams are going to have another really good game. I think it's going to be another really close game. Um, I just I think it's going to be not quite as high scoring as last week, uh, 35-32. It was 67 points. I think it's going to be a little bit less, not a whole lot, but a little bit. But I'm going to pick the Lions to win this one. I think they're going to win it a close one field goal again. So I'm picking BC 27 and Hamilton 24. Okay. Well, this is the one that I want to hear. Well, who are you going to pick there, William? You've been really well, scaring me lately, picking BC off. Usually when you pick BC, they lose, so maybe you'll well, go with you know Hamilton. What, you know what, though? I, I think BC, if they're if – they're, okay, so today I was listening to the Waggle, and my God, James Sobolski and David Sanchez were going on and on and on about how great Jonathan Jennings was. Oh God! Uh, the other night, and and how he's got his confidence back, and he's just playing like a gunslinger. And they just went on, and BC is great. They and Ed Hervey has made this team so much better because he's brought in an offensive line and he's brought in a defensive line, and they didn't sign Adam Big Hill and yada da yada da yada. And I'm like, really? But. I think if BC wants to get anywhere, they got to beat Hamilton. It's that simple. So yeah. they should be up, and and they 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 snatched a victory last week out of nowhere, which a game that they probably shouldn't have won. So maybe it does give them some confidence. Maybe one game has given Jonathan Jennings some confidence. I mean, Hamilton's going to be pissed off, but. Lately, Hamilton hasn't had a lot of kickback or fight back. I know Brandon Banks is coming back. Um, and I don't know, is is Terrell Sutton been around long enough to get into BC's lineup? Yep. Or not? Okay, oh, yeah, so he might be in BC's lineup. I think so. So, you know, I mean, I, I've never had a problem with uh, 
Come on, who's the running back? What's his Jonathan, name? Jonathan. Uh, Jeremiah Johnson. Uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah Johnson. Johnson. I've never had a problem with Jeremiah Johnson. The biggest problem I think I've had with Jeremiah Johnson is they don't use him enough. He's playing injured. With you. Okay, is he injured? He's playing okay. injured. That's the only then, reason this, this trade makes sense to me. Because okay. Jeremiah Johnson, hands down, is a better running back than Tyrell Fenton. It's just that our running backs are all injured. And that's why we've been okay. leaning on Chris Rainey so much. Right. So, um, I'm going to say, okay, BC, let's see what you got. You're trying to make the playoffs? Let's see what you got. Let's go into Hamilton and steal one. So... I am going with the BC Lions, and I'm going 34 for BC and 33 for Hamilton. Ooh, that one's getting done by a blonde one, eh? Mm-hmm. Squeaker, Mark's picking Hamilton, 32-26. Chris, which way are you going? We lost. Sorry, I had my mute. Sorry, I had my mute on. That's okay. Um, uh, uh, I don't know. This, Hamilton's going to be mad. They're not a bad team. I liked what BC did, but I, I'd like to see it twice in a row. Me too. And it's so hard. It's so hard to beat a team twice in a row, like or to win both games in a head to head like that. I'm going to have to go Hamilton. I'm just going to go have to go Hamilton based off of what. This, you know, like just based off of how statistics usually run with these back-to-back games and stuff and how uh, they won't have the, the, the time change advantage this time. And It was such a close game. It was such a good game. But I'm going to go close again, too. And I'm going to go I'm going to go uh, Hamilton 30 and BC 27. We'll go three. Hamilton by three. Hamilton by three. I have to take to BC. It's just I have absolutely no choice in this. Uh, yes, I, I really don't think that it's. I'm, I'm looking at everybody else's scores and I'm just going ah uh, ah uh, ah uh, ah uh, ah. Uh. BC thirty, Hamilton twenty-eight. Close game. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll see who the winner here is. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Oh. Uh, Sorry, what was Chris's score? Chris Chris picked uh, 30 Hamilton 30-27. 30 30 30 What's that and why? Oh, okay, never mind. Okay, so uh, Saturday afternoon, there's two games on Saturday, and we actually have a Sunday game. I don't like Sunday games so much, but anyhow. Uh, Saturday afternoon, 4 p.m. Pacific time, we have the Winnipeg Blue Bombers going into Edmonton to play the Eskimos. Oh, my good Lord. These are two teams that are trending downward, okay? Winnipeg more so than Edmonton, but only Edmonton's fall is a little slower because they were so much higher. But they've lost three of the last four games. I mean, you know, somebody was bitching about the power rankings the other day, and I had BC above Edmonton in the power rankings. And uh, they said, how do you figure that? And I said, well, BC's won three in a row, and Edmonton's lost three of the last four. What would you say is more powerful, three wins or three losses? 
Well, they go off and try to defend the Eskimos. You can't defend the Eskimos when they've lost three of the last four games. They are not looking powerful right now. Winnipeg lost four straight. No, I'm sorry. These are two teams that are trending downward at this point in time. And uh, at the wrong time of the season, we're in week 16. There is only 21 weeks. You don't start trending down at this point in the season. So, uh, yeah. Let's see what happens. Charles, who are you going to pick? This Mike Riley is, or Matt Nichols? Yeah, this one is kind of a tough one for me because I agree with you. Neither one of these teams is actually playing very well. Even with the win Winnipeg got last week, I mean, come on. How, how excited can you get for a win over Montreal? And Edmonton couldn't even win. They lost to Ottawa, so... These are teams that are not really in the right direction now. Um, This game is in Edmonton. Edmonton is typically a better team at home. They've got definitely the better quarterback in this game. And I think this one is Edmonton's to win. I think Edmonton, even though they're coming off the loss and Winnipeg lost last week, I don't think really all that matters. I think uh, Edmonton is still the better team than Winnipeg is. I'd take Mike Riley over Matt Nichols in a a heartbeat, to be honest. Um, That Winnipeg defense that was so good earlier in the season, it's had its struggles lately. Um, They played a little bit better last week, but again, they're playing Montreal, they're playing Johnny Manziel. That's not exactly a great measuring stick. So, I really think that Edmonton is the better team. I think they're going to win this game. I just think Mike Riley, uh, Mike Riley's going to have to, you know, support this or, you know, put this team on his back because uh, right now their defense is also pretty. We talk about Winnipeg's defense. I think Edmonton's defense is equally as crappy, to be perfectly honest. In fact, they're probably worse than Winnipeg's right now. And they have been for most of the year. But I just think Mike Riley is the type of quarterback that can lift his team and will his team to a victory. And that's something that Matt Nichols just simply can't do. So I'm going I'm going Riley. I'm going Edmonton. And I'm going to call it uh, 31-21 for the Eskimos at home against the Bombers. Okay. Mark's got the Bombers winning 31-21. No, 31-24, sorry. So, jump in here, Will. I know you can't pick Edmonton, so I got the W down for you already. Okay. Bombers that asks. Wow. I don't, I really don't think either team is that good. I, I, I really believe the top two, top two teams in the West right now, I hate to say it, are with Calgary and BC or Saskatchewan, and BC is right in there. Um, there's something going on with the Esks, and I, I, they're just not a good team. Um, uh, you know, you can never count them out because they do have Mike Riley, but they've also had Mike Riley the last couple of weeks, and I don't I think they're on a two-game losing. No, no, they're a bye. I don't think they've had a... What, as far as 
that goes. I'm just curious. Sorry. Um, they've lost three of the last four games, Edmonton has. There you go. Okay, so and Winnipeg hasn't fared much better. I think they've lost four of their last five, haven't they? That's correct. So it's a, ba- it's a battle of the losers, downward-trending teams, like you said. Yeah. you got to give the quarterback to, to Mike Riley, of course, because Matt Nichols can't hold his uh, cleats, for God's sake. Um, I think Winnipeg's defense is better, um, but not that much better. I think their offense is kind of – even each other out other than that quarterback. I think if Trevor or if uh, Andrew Harris is healthy, I think they're going to run on Andrew Harris quite a bit. Let's hope uh, Winnipeg's offensive line plays well because uh, BC's defensive line is quite good. So I'm going to make this simple. And you know I'm not going to pick Edmonton. I've never picked Edmonton, never will pick Edmonton. I'm going 35 28 Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Okay, 35-28 for the Bombers. I got a big E in front of Chris's pick. Am I right? Yes. Okay. Go ahead, buddy. Mic on. Wax on. Sorry. (laughs) Yep, you're right. E. E for Edmonton. Um, yeah, no, I, I just think that Edmonton's playing better than uh, Winnipeg of the two teams that are downtrending. So, and it's in Edmonton, and you know, there's home field advantage to that too. So, Mike Riley, uh, Mike Riley, just Mike Riley. Uh, I don't Winnipeg's defense being better than Edmonton's. I don't know. It's, I think that's kind of a toss-up right now. I, I think when Will's right, I think Winnipeg's a bit better. But I think that offensively, Edmonton is that much better. So I'm going to call a close game. I'm going to go uh, Edmonton 28 and Winnipeg 24. I'm going to make this a close close game. Wow. I kind of wanted a score like that, Chris. Um, <laughs> you know, you you were talking about what the problem was with Edmonton, and you couldn't quite put your finger on it. Do you know why you can't put your finger on the problem with Edmonton? You're trying to blame something on the field. I think the problem with Edmonton is on the sidelines. Mm. Okay? I think the problem is Jason Moss. Yes, yeah. Just, uh, just is my, that's just my opinion, and, uh, you know, I'm sure there's people out there right now yelling and swearing at me, but you know what? I really think the problem in Edmonton right now is the unstable coaching of the Eskimos. If they had some stability on the sidelines, they would be a better team. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick the Edmonton Eskimos to win because they have Mike Riley against Matt Nichols. Both defenses are, are bordering on the word porous. Uh, Winnipeg has a better O-line, but Edmonton doesn't really need an O-line. They got Mike Riley. Um, Edmonton has better receivers. Winnipeg's are all midgets. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just can't I can't do it. But I, I, I do like the score, um, 38-24, and that's Chris's. 
I'm going to go lower. I'm going to go because Mike Riley really hasn't put up any points except for that Calgary game that just got out of control. And I'm going to go 24-21. 24-21 for the Edmonton Eskimos. Okay. There you go. Moving on. Another game I really don't care about. I'm sorry. Sunday game, Saskatchewan Rough Riders in Montreal. Now, this will be the highest attendance game in Montreal this season, and nobody really cares. This is not going to be shown on ESPN. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, Saskatchewan, Montreal. I don't know. Does any either team have a – well, I can't really pick on Zach Caleros too much because he did have a decent outing last week. Uh, but – who do they got in Calgary or in, in Montreal? It's Manziel, right? Or is it Pipkin? Or is it Drew Willie? Do you know Drew Willie has better numbers than uh, Manziel when they play the same amount of – started the same amount of games? What does that tell you, Will? Come on, really? Charles, pick this game. Saskatchewan, Montreal. Mm, well, we get breath. We get breakfast football this week. Oh, ten a.m. our time. Yeah, ten a.m. game. Wow. All right. Um, it's hard because I really I don't know. This game doesn't do much for me. I don't think. Um, uh, to be honest, um, I think the Johnny Manziel shine is off. I. I He'll be starting again this week, but I don't think really anyone is caring whether he's starting. Um, I never really did to begin with, but um, I don't know. I did, Montreal's a wreck right now. I'm sorry. They're just – it looked like when they had Pipkin in there for a few games, they were starting to turn the corner. Then he had then he laid an egg against the Lions. Johnny Manziel is in. On, I, I just don't see them winning very many games. I don't see them winning this week. Uh, I'm not a huge Saskatchewan fan, as you well know, but um, they do have a pretty good defense, and that offense, uh, I don't think is going to be able to put up a lot of points on that defense. I think their defense is going to outplay them, and um, it's going to be another learning curve for Johnny football. And um, last week, we actually saw the Riders um, offensively were a bit better. And you could say that their offense finally played a decent game. Now, if that offense is coming around, uh, then maybe they've got something to build on. So uh, this is probably, if you've got a struggling offense playing the team they're playing this week, kind of a good cure for that. And I think uh, that offense is going to put some more points up. And I just don't see the Montreal offense getting a whole lot of points against this uh, Saskatchewan team. So, quite frankly, I'm picking the Riders, which I'm normally loath to do, but I do it anyways from time to time. I just don't think Montreal's going to beat them. I don't. I think Montreal has a hard time beating anyone this for the rest of this season. I'm going to pick this one, Saskatchewan 35, and Montreal 13. Hmm. 35-13. Well... Let's see if you have a, a, a hit of sanity here. Okay. 
So this is the way I look at it. I think Saskatchewan, one of the things we've seen in the last two or three weeks, that Saskatchewan is very susceptible to a good running back. I don't know if Montreal has one. Who's the running back? I can't remember Stanback. his name either. Stanback. Oh, he runs hard. Stanback. Okay. And he's fast. Yeah, like that. They, they actually had a decent running back. His name was Terrell Sutton, but they just traded him. Yeah, um, that was because Stanback's done so well. Um, He's younger, faster, and cheaper. There you go. If you look at it on paper, if you look at it on paper, uh, you know, yeah, Saskatchewan's offense looked great last week. They were playing Toronto. And who brought up that I think their most experienced D-back has two years' experience in the CFL? So Zach Claris did look pretty good. He's going up against Tommy Campbell, and who's the other guy on the other side? He's a pretty good player as well. I think Montreal's defensive line is pretty good. My biggest concern is that quarterback because I wasn't that impressed with Johnny Manziel last week. Let's face it, he still, after three starts, is it three starts? Yeah, three starts. He still has not thrown a touchdown pass in the CFL. Nope which is absolutely scary. Um, but uh, you got to have faith, baby. That's what I believe. You just got to believe. And I, I've i been watching Saskatchewan in some of their games, and these guys are jumping around like they're the greatest thing since sliced bread, and to me they're not that good. So I'm going to make this real simple. Montreal, 38. Saskatchewan, 18. I think you got that backwards. I do, no, yeah. No, I don't have that backwards. Don't hey, have Chris. it backwards, guys. Chris, your, your your turn here. Do you want 38 to 18 for the Riders? No. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pick Riders um, for every for reason everybody stated. I just don't think Montreal is any good. And, my, and Saskatchewan lost, but they they're showing signs of it, and their offense hasn't been consistent enough, but their defense is killer. And I, I don't think they'll maybe score as much against Montreal, but it, it's going to be a low-scoring game because they're going to they're going to go back and forth on D. I think. Um, I don't think you'll see the Zach Claris that was last week for sure against Toronto because Toronto's just I just their defense is inept right now. So I'm going to go. I'll go Saskatchewan. We'll get. Uh, I'll go back to twenty-eight. Saskatchewan will get twenty-eight. Uh, Montreal is going to score. I'll give them eleven. Wow. I don't think they're going to do very good at all. Hmm. I think me being eleven is being kind. Actually, I think it could be lower, but I'll go with eleven. Saskatchewan defense is pretty stingy. Yep. Hmm. The question is, now this is going to be a low-scoring battle, and I'm going to pick Saskatchewan Rough Riders to win this game, and I'm going to pick them uh, double the score. Uh, it's going to be 18 to nine. It's going to be an NFL hmm. score, 18 to nine. Could, could be that. I can see that. Yep. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Saskatchewan's not putting up points. 
period. Mm. Montreal's putting up less, period. Saskatchewan's got a good defense. They have a good defense. Montreal does not have a good offense. Saskatchewan has not scored any touchdowns. Okay? What, they get one, one touchdown in the last three games? Four games? Something like that ridiculous? It's pathetic. Okay. There's week 16 for you guys. Uh, let's uh, roll the agenda and uh, see where we're going. In a surprise move, the BC Lions have, have acquired Terrell Sutton from Montreal in exchange for a second-round pick. What do we think he brings to the Lions? Now, this, this was a different type of a – we traded a second-round pick. BC traded a second-round pick to Montreal for a third-round pick. So the difference is one round, okay? So they still get a player – they just get one nine round nine picks down lower, and they got Tyrell Sutton, one of the best running backs in the CFL. Now, he's a rental player because his contract's up at the end of the season. So BC just rented him for the remaining part of the season, and then we'll see what happens in in the off season whether he stays in BC or goes back to Montreal or does whatever he wants to do. Um. I don't know why BC did it other than the fact that, yeah, our running backs are slightly injured, but they're still playing football. But maybe we need somebody out there, run for the playoffs, yada, 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 get Chris Rainey back on special teams exclusively. Uh, I, the, at first, this move con- great, grossly confused me. Now it's starting to make some sense, and I'm actually kind of like it. Chris. You had a chance to digest this one. What do you think of this? Well, I'm I'm really curious about how Sutton's re- recovered from his injury. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's question marks there, right? So yeah. I don't argue that Sutton, Sutton was an amazing running back before he got hurt. I think he was one of the best in the league. I just don't know how he's going to come back from his injury, and that's always a big question mark. He's an older running back, so how's he healed? And what what did Montreal see that they thought that, you know, is it all money? Is it maybe he didn't recover properly and they're ditching him? I, you know, so I'll hold my, I'll hold it in reserve till I see him play. Cause like, I mean, like, look at white's a shadow of what he was now. Let's, let's be honest. I mean, after all injuries he's had, he's a shadow of it. Um, and he's not horrible, but he wasn't, he isn't what he was. So it's setting the same thing. I mean, it's harder to recover at that age and, and that. So I, I could – the move didn't totally surprise me. And I think the it was a fairly fair trade because you don't – he is a question mark. So you're not gambling a ton as a BC, the BC team. And, and what the heck, if he does come back, you got an amazing running back. Um you know, and you've got injuries, so the trade made sense to me, and and I think it was fairly decent. Like it, it BC wins if he comes back and he is uh, even eighty percent of what he was, and uh, it's a low risk. If he doesn't, uh, he's still a serviceable, hopefully a serviceable running back, even if he's fifty percent of what he was. So it makes sense. You got injuries, fill holes. And uh, and see what you can do. I mean, BC's got to be in the mindset of making a run for the the cup. They have to be because they're playing that much better. 
right? So you don't want to be handicapped because you've got too many injuries in one area, and that's those one. That's one of those things that every team deals with. Other than maybe it looks like Calgary because Calgary lost all their starting receivers and they still are finding people internally. So, but I mean, look at you know McQuay's got a job again, and and uh, you know like all these guys are being brought back that were cut or were sitting for most of the season because people have injuries and they they want tested people, not people that they uh, have on their practice rosters. And uh, I think it's a decent move. I think it's a decent move. And I I think that there's no way that BC can really lose with it. They could really win, or they could kind of eh, break even. So, smart move. Okay. Go ahead. So, yeah, who's next? Will. Yes, sir. Well, you what know do you, what? What do you think of this? In the CFL, they say you don't you don't win without depth, and Terrell Sutton is definitely depth for them. And if, as you say, uh, Jeremiah Johnson is is injured, we'll just somewhat. call it banged up. Okay, it can only help him. Um, I think it's a it's a, I also think it's a totally total salary dump for Montreal because they've got what's his face, I can't pronounce his name, the new running back. And Sandbank. I'm sure he's making the, uh, or Stanwick or whatever. Anyways, I'm sure Something he's like making that. the CFL sure he's making the CFL minimum. And uh he hasn't he has he runs hard and, and I think he's a decent player. Um you know, it only helps it only helps B C. I think it does help them to have another running back back there. Um Nobody's nobody's as confident in their practice roster players as Calgary is, so you know they bring in some guys with experience. And I mean, it, it, it you know if you think about it, uh, BC has bought brought Anthony Parker in in the last two or three weeks. Um, now they got now they got Terrell Sutton. So, you know, maybe they're just gearing up for the playoffs so they have some depth in case of injuries and uh, a little bit of leadership along the way because veterans usually provide that. And so I think it's it's a good move for BC. And the Owls, I'm pretty sure the Owls can see the writing on the wall because apparently, and I was reading an article, and apparently uh, Sutton wanted to stay in Montreal for as long as he possibly could because he liked it there. But, you know, I guess winning doesn't matter to some guys. Um, but now he's in D.C., so, hey, let's see what happens. It, it makes – it does make – I think it does make D.C. stronger at this point in time. So, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, Charles, bring it up the rear on this one. You're a B.C. Lions fan. You like the move? Yeah, I do because – I think it shows that they really are trying to make a push to try and get into the playoffs. Uh, like Will said, you don't win without depth, and this gives them good depth. It gives them another guy there, so maybe that Chris Rainey doesn't have to play as much at running back, and he can more uh, concentrate on special teams returns because as good as he has been on offense, I still think that's where he is the most effective, returning kicks, returning punts, and returning missed field goals. Uh, I think Rutley is a strong back. He's a guy that can uh, 
power through. I think um, even maybe even more so than Harris or Harris. Uh, sorry, that's the guy that used to be here. No, even more so than uh, Jeremiah Johnson. Johnson uh, can he can be a strong back, but I think he's the best when he's you know finding holes going around the outside. Uh, I think that Terrell Sutton is more of an inside guy that can push hard. And I think the Lions had the room. Of course, they lost Brandon Rutley to an injury earlier this season, so they've got room from that. So they bring in the other old Montreal, older Montreal running back. So I am uh, do have some question marks, like um, Chris said, about whether or not or what if he is totally healed from his injury, but only time's going to tell. But if nothing else, it's a good depth move in case they do get an injury. They still have a competent running back who can take over the workload in case anything happens to Jeremiah Johnson, who, like CJ said earlier, is playing um, hurt. He's been banged up. So if this can take some more pressure off of him, maybe um, uh, Sutton takes up the slack a little bit and gets some more carries and take the workload off of Jeremiah Johnson, then ultimately maybe he becomes even a more effective back. So I think it's a good move. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Sutton play. Chris pointed out the big mark, big question mark here, and that's whether or not Sutton is healthy. Okay, if Sutton's healthy and just needs to get the rust knocked off him, uh, sure, let's let's play some football because uh, let's put Chris Rainey back on special teams and uh, at least give uh, Jeremiah Johnson some some reps on the sidelines. If not, take the game off. Uh, that would be bad in my opinion, but you know, it would be nice for him to heal up. Uh, I, yeah, I like the move. I didn't, I didn't at first. I just go, why? Just like, why would BC do something so stupid? And then you look at the trade and they really gave up nothing and, uh, and got one of the premier running backs. I mean, he was the number one running back in the league, not last year, the year before, wasn't he? Didn't he outdo um, uh, Andrew Harris was, because know, Harris um, and, and everybody took the last week off and uh, and Sutton played the game and, and beat them by seven yards or something? Yeah, I believe that was Andrew Harris's final year here in Vancouver where he had yep. the rushing lead going into the final week. And uh, who was the coach Wally. back then? I think it was Jeff – or was it Wally or was it Tedford? Oh, I think it was Tedford. You're right. And he Tedford. sat him. They sat him the last week. And Terrell Sutton had a big game and and ended up winning the rushing title. Yeah, yeah. So that was the beginning of the end for Andrew Harris. Yes. Although I think that decision had pretty much been made by that point, anyways. But uh, to be honest, um, it does give them a guy that has the ability to be to make big plays. So uh, that can't be considered at all a bad thing. And the one thing I haven't read read is what um, Terrell Sutton's contract status is. Is he a free agent at the end of this year? So that's my understanding. Okay, then at worst it's a rental player, so it's uh, that's correct. It's not going to affect the Lions long term. No, no, no. We just play pay a salary for the last five games, and that's it. Yeah. One thing I would notice too that I've made uh, a note of when I heard about the trade. This is the most in-season trades I think I've ever seen the Lions make. Well, since Wally's because been Wally there. Almost, Wally almost never made trades during the season. Very seldomly did he do it. And I think but, the Lions have made three. 
Well, remember when he brought in Arlan Bruce and uh, and a couple others yeah. that, in 2011? Yeah. Exactly. That, which was a real rarity, though, for the time he had been here. Yeah. he typically didn't do that. No, not at all. Nope. Okay, yeah, so everybody thinks this is a good move for the BC Lions. What do we think about Montreal Alouettes? Was this a good move for the Alouettes? Because they, basically they didn't get anything for them, right? They yep. moved up a draft pick. They blew most of their draft picks when they got brought in Manziel. So they got a little bit better draft pick for next year. Uh, I don't have a lot of faith in, in draft picks. They they very seldom ever pan out in the first couple of years anyhow, or do they even come into the CFL? Do they go to the NFL? You know, a lot of things. So, yeah, your Canadian content is king in this league, but it's better off that somebody else trains your Canadian content and you pick them up in free agency. Ooh, did and I you know say what? something? Maybe, maybe they're making room so they can find Johnny to that extension. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um this stand back is uh like I said, younger, faster, cheaper, and it makes more sense going forward. He just seems to be a bit of a beast. He's a power back like Andrew Harris. Uh got gotta like it and uh But I'll tell you what, the Montreal Alouette fans are losing their frickin' minds over this one. It's funny as hell to watch because they think uh, that they have just given away half their team. All of their good players are now gone, yada, 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 yada. So I don't know. I don't know, guys. I think you might have to just watch this stand back and see what happens because I think you might have just found yourselves a little gem. Or it's just waiting for somebody to get film on him and then he's not doing so well. I don't know. Okay. Next up, the Argos have said that Deron Carter will receive more reps this week against Calgary. Why have they not been giving him more reps up to this point in time? Well, Mark Trestman has said that he is that Deron Carter is not yet capable of performing at the level in which that he expects. That he is not capable of playing the playbook of the Toronto Argonauts the way that he would want him to. He's not properly prepared to be an Argonaut yet. Wow. Charles. And all. Uh, that sounds, I, I, far be it for me to disagree with something that Mark Cressman says, but, uh, I'm sorry, I just don't buy that. I mean, he's been with the team for almost a month now. And we know he's a talented receiver. He's a head case, sure. But he's still a very talented receiver. And this is a Toronto team that has been struggling quite quite a bit lately. Deron Carter is a guy, whatever you think about him, he can make big plays. And this is something that the Toronto team has needed badly, and it's not like he's an offensive lineman and so on. He's a receiver. Receivers get traded all the time, and they're in the the lineup full bore next week. Look at a couple weeks ago. Devere Posey comes into the lineup after being out of the league. He was down in the NFL, comes in the lineup, signs on the uh, Monday, I believe, and he's in the, the lineup the following week. So, 
I just, I'm sorry, I don't buy what, what uh, Tressman is saying. I think there's something else there. I don't know what it is. I personally don't think that Deron Carter is a Mark Tressman kind of guy. I think this is strictly a Jim Pop signing. I think Jim Pop likes him. I think he's more of a Jim Pop guy. But Mark Tressman's not a fan of him, not a fan of his antics, and I don't think he wants to use him all that much. I don't know why. Because, quite frankly, I think he's a guy that can spark that offense, especially with a young quarterback like um, uh, Blum, uh, Bethel, MB, McLeod Bethel, Bethel Thomas. Thompson, McLeod Bethel Thomas or Thompson or whatever. Um, I just uh, think that he's a guy that can be uh, very helpful to a younger quarterback like that because he's a guy that may make plays. So I don't know why they're not playing him and – if they want any chance at saving their season, because really they've got um, a very um, – their their playoff window is closing very rapidly. And if they want any chance at saving it, I think they got to get him more involved because he's a guy that can make plays for them. And right now they're struggling. They need some sort of help there. So I think they really got to do that. I think their playoff hopes are over. They've got three wins. Three wins, and I would suspect that the crossover team is going to end up about 500, which is going to be nine. That would mean that at this point in time, they would have to equal nine. That means they would need six victories. There's not six Mm. weeks left. No, that's the problem. That's that's the way I see that. That's they they've missed. they're, They're out of the playoffs. Montreal and Toronto are both gonzoed. William, you wanted to say something there. What was it, my friend? Sorry. You know what? I'm thinking the complete opposite of Charles. I think the first thing is Mark Tressman is showing Deron Carter who the boss is. Yes. I I think I think to play on a Mark Tressman team, you have to be very disciplined. And you probably have to follow his rules, okay? And I, I think we've heard we've heard rumors, and we know it's the truth that Deron Carter' worth et- work ethic is non-existent. And we talked earlier in the show about the difference between the guys who make it and the guys who don't. Is you know, film study, discipline. They take care of themselves. They do their thing. And if you look across the league over the years at all the great receivers, you know, let's take Milt Stiegel. Milt Stiegel, they say, was always, always trying to get better. And the guy was fantastic, okay? And I don't think uh, Carter has that kind of has that kind of attitude, and I think Mark Tressman's trying to give him that kind of attitude. And, I mean, we always talk about how talented Deron Carter is, but I still don't think Deron Carter's right now. He's not top 10 in the CFL. And, and I think it's because of his work ethic. Everybody has lots of skills. Some guys raised to come to the top because they work at it and they work at it constantly. And I mean, if you even, and I hate to go back to these guys all the time, but if you look at Calgary, you see how they plug and play receivers because these receivers I mean, look at Kamar Jordan. He was on their practice list for practice roster for two and a half seasons. 
And obviously he learned something and he worked and worked. And, you know, if he hadn't got hurt, I think he'd be right up there this year. So, and I think Mark Tressman is trying to show Deron Carter who the boss is. And I mean, you know, maybe it would be a little different if, if Toronto was even close to making the playoffs, but they're not. So, you know, and I, I really don't think Mark Tressman is worried about his job because they'd be crazy to fire him because so, he's one of the best coaches in the CFL. So that's my take on it. I think you're, you kind of bashed a home run here. It's exactly what it is. Mark Tressman is showing who's boss, throwing some weight around right now. And Duran, this is a humbling event for Duran Carter. Or if he, if he, if he is a human being, this should be a humbling event. Uh, but I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna make a difference. No, I doubt it. If he'll be, there. I, I don't think he'll be there next next year. To be honest with you, if he doesn't play no. much this year. Chris. I agree with, with Will, exactly, and I agree with you. I, I think Mark Trestman is pushing Duran to see if he can keep his crap together or not and seeing if he's going to lose it or if he's going to be a, a team player. And I think that I think it's still out. I mean, it's easy to be well-behaved your first couple months on a job. For Duran, it's probably the first couple of weeks. Let's see what happens in you know a little bit more time and and whether or not he can keep it together. But I think I they need they need help immediately on the field, and I, there's no argument with that. But I just don't think it's Deron Carter. He's got talent, but he could be just as much of a problem as as with everybody else and cause issues with the team as being great by himself. So. I I like what Mark's doing with it. I, I think he was. I, de- I definitely think Deron Carter was signed by by Pop, and Mark's making sure he knows it's his team and uh, seeing what pushing him. See if he's going to lose his shit or not, and see if he can uh, if he can toe the line before he puts him out there and makes him a big part of the team and uh, make sure he doesn't kill the team atmosphere and stuff. So I agree with what Mark's doing, and and we'll see. But I bet you he doesn't get a ton more reps. I mean, really, what would he have to get, like, a whole quarter to be more than he had to date? I mean, he wasn't even targeted. So he can play in the Calgary game a little bit more, and I'm sure he will. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. But I, I agree with what Mark's doing, and I, I agree with what Will said Why and what you know what you guys are saying about it. It's just it's a power move, and I agree with it. With a player like Carter, you got to do that. You have to. Okay, I'm going to go out and make a prediction right now. I'm going to say that the Toronto Argonauts are the last team in the CFL that Deron Carter plays for. Fair he's done. He's done in the CFL. He's going to go down to that American Afternoon League or whatever it's called. I could see that. The Alliance of American Football or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Just he needs a new sure. he needs a new start. You know, down there, they're paying attention to him, right? He was big news when he came up here. Chris Carter's son, yada, yada, yada. He's going to be a draw down there. Uh, Yeah, no, I think that uh, one of the uh, southern U.S. teams is going to pick him up. 
And he's done in the CFL. Nobody's going to put up with this bullshit anymore. And we'll be done with it. All we got to do now is get rid of Manziel and, and a couple others and get this league back to where we want it to be. That's my opinion. I don't know whether it holds water or not. A recent study shows that the hits to the head in the CFL are down, and they didn't even need any ridiculous NFL rules to do so. What do you attribute this downward trend to, and will it continue? Interesting question, Charles. And yet, we've just got players fined this week for headshots, two of them. Mm-hmm. Right, we just had Kyrie Bear coming off as a suspension for a headshot. We had a guy that should have gone on a suspension for a headshot. No, I don't know. I, I are these stats real that the headshots are down in the CFL? Because that's all we've been talking about lately. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Charles. Talk to me on this one. Why are they going down? Are they? What do you attribute it to? I think they are. I, I know we've had some in the last few weeks. We talked about it uh, a couple weeks ago with Travis Lule and the hit that he took from the guy from um, Ottawa. And we got a couple people here. But overall, if you look at the season, I don't think we've seen nearly as many headshots. I think that the culture of football is starting to change. I think people are thinking about it more, more at least up here they are, um, I think there's game uh, at the lower levels is being taught safer, and I think they're trying to do the same thing at the higher levels. I think it's a smart thing to do. Um, I really think that it's all about education. We're see, I think they're doing more in the way of education, uh, right from the lower levels right up to the program about the effects of concussions. We've been seeing guys retiring early because of concussions. And maybe we're getting a little bit more respect into the game and a little bit more, um, you know, sanity and not guys launching themselves like rockets. Are we, are we where we need to be yet? No, of course not. We may never eliminate headshots 100%. I don't think it's possible to do that. But um, to be honest, um, I think it's all about People finally seeing the results. Uh, we're seeing people retire early because of concussions. We're seeing people, um, you know, with uh, you know older players with not a great quality of life. And I think it's finally starting to sink into some of these players. Now, we're not going nearly to the extent that they're doing uh, um, in, down south in the NFL where you accidentally brush against a guy and you're called for 15 yards. And I don't think it needs to be that way. I think um, it's all about the education from the lower levels of guys that are coming up um, right through college, the teaching of the game at, at, from the young levels into the high school, into college, right into the program. And I think people are starting to wake up to that, and uh, we're not seeing the big, um, you know, launch yourself like a missile hit nearly as much as before. Now, like I said, they're still there. There's probably going to be at least some uh, of those types of hits. You're never going to get rid of them altogether. But um, it is, I think, at least going in the right direction. Okay. Well, 
Yeah, I, you know what, they say the hits are down. And, and you know what, they are. I mean, we concentrate on the ones that where guys get suspended, like the Kyrie Severs and and that guy last week with Travis Lulay or two weeks ago, whatever it was. Um, I noticed Michael Alway hasn't gotten uh, flagged for anything this season, which is kind of cool because he was the guy last year who every time he turned around, he was hitting somebody head on. I don't know. Maybe guys are just, maybe it's just a a trend and guys are just trying not to hurt each other and they know they're going to get flagged and they know they're going to get suspended. So they don't do it anymore. Um. It just if if you sit down and talk to guys about it, it makes sense, okay? Which maybe that's the reason they're down. I I I, I guess they're down. They're saying they're down, so they must be down. But I mean, we have had a few guys go into concussion protocol this year, so I don't know. I really don't have much to say about it because if they say it's down, it's down. So, and I don't think there's any one factor behind the whole thing. So, go ahead. Interesting. Interesting. Chris? Well, I just agree with both both Charles and, and Will. I, I think that education has a lot to do with it, and that's why the younger players, you're, you're seeing more understanding about the dangers of those, those head hits and the, and the unnecessary of, of them. And the ones we're, we're talking about it so much is because it's a couple of the old school boys that, that – don't haven't learned and and don't seem to care and uh, but they're getting punished for it and people are paying attention to that and always I think a perfect example of that he was a he wanted to make his mark he came in as a young man and was excitable and did some stupid things and and was told that that wasn't allowed wasn't the way to go and he's he's learned and he's moved forward from it I I think it's just part of the understanding that you don't have to play like that you can play hard and aggressive without involving your head or the other player's head, and I think that that's, I mean, you run as much risk of hurting yourself as the other person when you lead with your head like that. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not always the guy that gets hit that gets the concussion, so I think people are just getting smarter about it and understanding that that's, that's a risk that's not acceptable and, and you don't need to play like that. So, and 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 there's huge punishments for it now, and, and it, they're not messing around with about it anymore, so... I think it's just uh, it's what's bound to happen when when they start to do that, and I I think we're seeing the benefit of it. Interesting. It's a uh, it's kind of a uh, cool the, the the it's almost like the football's growing up, right? And I don't know if that makes sense. That you know when y'all all grow up when we we're all adults now, and we don't do the crazy ass stupid shit that we used to do. Well, some of us do. Mm-hmm. Will, how you doing? Um, but yeah, so <laughs> it's just one of those things. It's just like okay, the CFL is growing up and they're they're becoming big boys and everything else, and they they're just doing it on their own as opposed to being forced to do it the way that the NFL has taken that on. And because I think some of their rules are just dumbass stupid. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Good thing happening. Good thing happening here. Okay. After further review, the league says that the replay officials got both calls correct in the fourth quarter of last week's BC Hamilton game. 
Was there ever any doubt to begin with? Now, I, my question here, I, obviously the, the replay official uh, was the Brian Burnham two-point conversion where the officials called him out and there was actually some greenery between his toe and the white sideline. Uh, so he was in and the replay officials got that one correct. What was the other one? Charles? The other one was the play in the fourth quarter uh, where Jonathan Jennings got hit and the ball popped out and initially the Ticat thought they had recovered right. the, recovered a fumble and then it got ruled uh, an incomplete pass. Okay. I I still have my doubt on that one, but uh, I'm I'm happy with the call. Um Mind you, I didn't see it too many times. Uh, wh- what was your take? Do you think that that was a uh, a good call? If you're going by the letter of the lo- rule, and oftentimes they don't go that, but I believe if you're going by the letter of the rule, they got the call right. Now, here's why I say that. I'm sure a lot of people, especially Hamilton fans, will disagree with me, is that it, what it looked like to me is that there was a somewhat of a forward motion in Jonathan Jennings' arm. Now, they were talking about this on the broadcast. Matt Dunnigan brought it up saying, well, we, I think that the forward motion uh, is because of the player's helmet hitting Jonathan Jennings' arm and kind of bumping it and forcing it into a forward motion, which very well might have happened. The problem is the rule is very, uh, I think, uh, black and white, that if there is any sort of forward motion, and this goes all the way back to the tuck rule with Tom Brady in 2003, and I know this is NFL and CFL, but on this rule they've been pretty consistent in both leagues with the same thing, that if there is a forward motion of the arm, it is ruled an incomplete pass. It doesn't matter if it was him voluntarily putting his arm forward or his arm gets hit and it moves forward. The law, the rule says forward motion of the arm, it's ruled an incomplete pass. Now, I get that they're probably, um, um, there very well likely was a fumble because he got hit and the ball popped out. But if he gets hit in the arm and the arm comes forward, if you're going by the letter of the rule, and I don't know why I just did the air quotes with my hands because no one can see me, this is a podcast, but if you're going by that, it is the right call. Now, did the Lions get away with one? Sure they did. I'm happy about that. But if it's the letter of the rule, if you're going by the rule as it stated, it was an incomplete pass. Now, sure, they have a right to complain about that. But this is, I think, why the league came back and said, well, you know what? It was the right call based on what the rule says. So that's kind of how I saw it. Okay. Wow, that's an interesting take on it. I'm, that, cool. William. Yep. Were you happy with the um, calls on the field? Were you happy with the way that the command center overturned or confirmed one of them? Yeah, you know what? I, I'm glad they uh, reviewed the two-point conversion because at full speed it was hard to tell. And when they slowed it down, it was it was obvious that that he was in. And like I mentioned on Sunday, I hate the I hate the rule now where they can push guys out of bounds and and 
and I they don't get, the, you know, I think it's stupid. Um, and the other call, the Jonathan Jennings call, and as Charles said, letter of the law and the rule, if you go by that, it was a good call. So I don't think, I haven't seen in the last couple of weeks, I haven't seen a lot of blatant misses. I mean, there's been some questionable calls, but you know what? The command center is starting to get it right. Um, hopefully that will trend upward too. Um, but I mean, you know, these guys are humans. They make mistakes too. So, I mean, referees got to be, it's, it's got to be the hardest job in the CFL, to be honest with you, because these guys are going at full speed and it's hard to see things sometimes. And you also have to see the whole field. So, you know, but those two calls at the BC game, I had no problem with either one of them. Okay. To, just to be fair here, you don't have to see the whole field because each official has a particular area that they're supposed to be following. The head referee is supposed to be watching the quarterback. Um, you know, the side judges are supposed to be watching the sidelines and, you know, all of these sort of things. Each one has their own job to do, and so they don't have to look at the whole field. But let's just go back to what we, how we started this entire show by saying how complex and intricate this game is. Well, it's, it's even more so to have to referee it. Okay, yep. I mean, we're talking about an amazing game moving at light speed out there and bodies slamming and crashing, and that's 24 people out there trying to make that move this ball one way or the other. And what do we got, six referees out there watching it? Or, you know, officials? Uh, no, I, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting concept. But, uh, yeah, you can't, you can't blame them for all of the, the bad calls. I do blame them for that two-point conversion they should have got that one right i mean shit they were right on top of it but uh well, yeah i'm glad that the uh, replay officials got it, was, it right but it was fast it was fast and literally it was it, it was literally a matter of a couple of inches there's actually if you go on the bc lions instagram i don't post, think there was an inch there no yeah, i don't there think was probably so either. less than an inch but there's yeah. a fantastic picture by an Instagram account called Vancouver Sports Pictures, which was literally right there. In fact, Brian Burnham knocked the photographer over, but before he knocked him over, he got the shot, and it's a perfect shot where basically Brian Burnham is coming down right on top of the cameraman, but he got a beautiful shot, and you can see quite clearly that he got his tiptoe just inside the white line, but it's the best picture by far of the um, of any of the pictures I've seen taken. So it was literally a matter. It was by a thumbnail, basically. If it, that it was, much, it, yeah, it was not a big. Uh, it was not a big margin there, anyhow. Oh yeah, yeah. I actually, I'm yep. looking at this picture right now. Tyrone Polanski. Yes. Good picture. Excellent picture. Photo of the year, Wesley thinks. Can't argue yep. with him. We haven't heard from our buddy Wesley from down under in a while. We haven't heard from any of the guys from all over the world that usually kind of send us little jabs just in that and anything else. Anyhow, okay. So, uh, Chris, did you get a chunk on this one? Did you watch the games this weekend? Turn on your mic. Where did Chris go? 
he's still online. Yeah, I'm oh, just no. on my mute again. I'm, I'm That's what I said. Turn on your mic. On mute. Yeah, no, I wasn't listening to you either. I was totally zoned out. I was just enjoying the conversation because I haven't heard football talk for three weeks. Oh, yeah, I fell asleep a couple times already. Come on. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't fall asleep. I zoned out. I just enjoying the conversation. Well, I get up and then I start talking away. I, I was still on mute and was just talking away to myself. So, um, um, no, I, I agree. I, I would have. I've I've refed. I've done a, a not a lot of refing, but enough to understand the job and exactly what you said. Do you have one? Each ref's got a responsibility to watch. You watch the thing. The guy's sitting there looking right at his foot. And he calls him out. To be honest with you, I would have called him out as well. And you know it can be, re- it's going to be reviewed. And I think I'd rather call him out and have it reviewed and be overturned than to call it in and have the opposite happen. Like you know what I mean? Like it was so close that I, I think I I respect. Like I understand that call, and 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 the right thing happened. So no big deal. The forward pass one was, uh, yeah, you know what. It is what it is. Charles covered it by the letter of the rule. The ball was his arm was moving forward. The, the ball moved forward, and the telltale is always where the ball goes. The ball didn't drop straight. It didn't go backwards. It didn't go sideways. It went forward by three yards, and landed at at the feet of one of the one of the linemen. So it was moving forward. Whether it was the helmet that caused it, whatever. As a default, when the ball's moving forward like that, that means there was forward motion happening. It had to have. Otherwise, the ball wouldn't have went, went forward. It's going to follow the motion. So the call was right. I, well, like it or not, it is what it is. It, it was moving forward, and that's what the rule is. And you got to live with those calls. And, I mean, when it's not in your favor, you're going to bitch about it. When it is, you're going to enjoy it. But I, I, that was the right call, 100%. As soon as I watched it live, I, I I didn't even I wasn't even like I wasn't even expecting there to be a big hadoo about it because again, I know as a ref and and as watching the game, if that ball moves forward at all, it had to have been moving forward in a forward motion, which is what the rule states. So, and whether it's three yards or five yards or one yard, it was moving forward, and it clearly was moving forward. If you don't even pay attention to the hit, the helmet, the hand, anything, just watch once the football is moving, is gone out of his hand and is moving through the air, it moves about three yards forward. It had to be moving forward. Simple. Okay. Go ahead. That's the end of it. We've all had our shot on this one, and uh, not much more to say. I'm I'm happy about the way that the rules turned out, uh, the 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 decisions went because they were both in favor of the BC Lions. Uh, I can't say I'm, you know, call me a homer. I don't care. It, 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 the right call was made. I still think Wally's uh, challenge earlier in the game was, was the wrong call by the command center. But you know what? You can't get greedy. And uh, so be it. This one's a bit of a hot topic. I would really have liked Mark to be around for this one. The province of Manitoba is going to write off the Winnipeg Blue Bombers debt for IGF. Does this set a bad precedence for future stadiums or any building of any kind? Well, I expected this to happen before now, quite honestly. 
And the only way that this is going is is happening is because Winnipeg Blue Bombers are a community-owned football team. If they were not a community-owned football team, then this wouldn't be happening. Okay. Um, and same with Saskatchewan. Same with Edmonton. Edmonton doesn't have a new stadium. But do you think the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are on the hook for a huge chunk of coin because of this? No, they're not. I mean, the province eats it up, and that's what happens here. And, yeah, I know I'm going to get challenged on this one, but so what? It's a fact. Let's just face facts. And uh, BC Lions got a really nice stadium only because, why? The Olympics were here. Hamilton got a brand-new stadium. Why? Pan Am Games were there. Right? Okay? So those are individually owned teams that got a lot of public money to build a stadium. Uh, Why? Because uh, something else was happening in that area that was important. It wasn't because there's a football team there. So uh, I'm I'm not surprised at all that the province of Manitoba is uh, forgiving the bombers their debt. Uh, it just seemed like, you know, three years ago, I said that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are in the worst financial shape of any team in the CFL because they are saddled with such an extreme debt that we would be seeing the Grey Cup in Winnipeg more often because of this. We would be seeing all sorts of terrible things happening to the Bombers. None of that really came true. But is it because of this? because of the debt being forgiven, that none of that's going to come true? Well, we'll never know, because it's not going to happen. But uh, I don't have a problem with that. When the province owns a football team, the province should pay for the stadium. William, you go first. What's going to happen in Calgary? (laughs) Well, they'll never get public funding because rats need a place to live, okay? (laughs) And McMahon Stadium is the perfect place. Okay, so um, I don't know. So what was do do we have? I I didn't read the article. Do we have any? What was the number that they wrote off? Any idea? I think it was something like eighty-two million dollars or something like that. Well, if I'm remembering correctly, yeah, it was four million dollars or four point three million dollars for twenty-five years or something like that. It was what it was. Oh, is that all it was? Yeah. I think that's what they had to pay. It was like four four point three million dollars, and for twenty five year. years. So, tw- yeah, per year. Yeah. For twenty five oh, years. Oh, per year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Let I, I'm at the article right now. So uh, go ahead, start talking, and I'll see what I can find. I, I hate I hate when. Well, when the public has to pay for things, because I know they'll make it up in taxes or whatever. Um, and in reality, it is only a football stadium. Sorry, I don't mean to belittle it like that, because as far as I'm concerned, it's not a super big priority. Um, I, I, I don't think it brings more people to football games. Um, but that's just because I live in Craptown, Calgary, where we're not even talking about building a new stadium. And uh, I, you know, if I mean the, the the government owns or they own the football team, so yeah, maybe they should pay for the stadium. So I guess they have really no issue with it because I don't live in Manitoba. 
I'm sure there might be some Manitobans that have an issue with it. Um, but, yeah, I really don't know what to say about it, to be honest with you. It, it does concern me one way or another. Okay. Um, yeah. The the uh, article really doesn't say much about it other than the fact that it said that the bombers were given a break on loan interest until this year and the interest payments at the current rates would work out to an extra $4 million in annual costs for a facility that hosts 10 games a year and a handful of other events. Um, it says that the bombers have made $17 million in payments already and, uh, that's the end of it. So yeah, it's uh, in excess of it's four million dollars plus interest, and uh, it's for a huge chunk, which uh, is eighty-two million dollar total, is what the uh, Manitoba government has just assumed. Wow. Okay. Chris, should the provincial government yeah, be writing I, off an $82 million debt for a football stadium? Oh, As a football fan, are, yeah, uh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those questions where is if they don't, what kind of financial situation is Winnipeg in, and, uh, you know, the Blue Bombers are going to survive, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, do they do it now this way, or do they – keep making them pay and then bail them out later or it's a community owned team. The stadium got built. I don't, I'm not living there, so I don't have a huge problem with it, but, and I don't think it sets a precedent because I think you're right. It's a community owned team. Every team is different and every province is different. So they're going to do what they want to do and look at Calgary, right? And they're not going to do it and they have no interest in doing it. And they, and they've been very clear about that. Well, it is what it is. And then the Calgary's going to have to live with it. So I, I don't know. I, I, again, I don't live there. So I guess I don't really have, you know, do I think it's going to set a precedent and we're going to see more problems with it? I don't, I don't think so. I think it's always going to be a case to case basis. And, and, uh, one of the big differences that community-owned factors do, makes it a huge difference, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, I uh, I don't have a huge problem with it because I don't live there. I'm sure there are people that are pretty pissed off about it, but what are you going to do? Like I said, if you want football, then it's, it's either charge them and lose it on the back end or pay for it now and keep them healthy now. Well, the real real question is really simple. If you bleed the Montreal, uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers to death, then you've got this yeah. big albatross that nobody is paying for. Yeah. Right. So you know, yeah. Bombers go bankrupt. There's nothing. There's no ten games a year in there. There's nobody paying any revenue. There's no fans going in there. And the province of Manitoba has this debt, not a debt, but a credit out there. Right. They have this. And then what do they do? You know, you wait three years and you write it off your books anyhow. So they're just being preactive, preemptive on this and, and clearing the bombers of this debt load so that the bombers can continue to use this great facility. Makes yeah. sense to me. It makes perfect sense to me. Not, is, is, is it financial, fiscal responsible of the province? Hell no. 
But logically, it makes sense. Well, what would you? Did you talk on this one? What would you do? Will talked. Will talked. Charles. Yeah. My guess is if this were a pro. Yeah. <laughs> My guess is if this were a privately owned football team, this would be a completely different story. I don't. I don't think there's a chance in hell that they would have written this off. The fact that it's a community-owned team and not a privately-owned team gives them um, uh, uh, an out, basically saying, well, this is the community team, it's community-owned, we're doing this as a favor to the community and to help the Bombers thrive. So I guess it kind of gives them an out that way. because uh, I know there's been so many debates in so many different cities about public money basically funding stadiums. Um, but in all cases, pretty much before this, it's been privately owned teams, owned by millionaires, and that's where it rubs people the wrong way. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm sure I've been, I was on the Bombers fan page earlier, and there are many people on there that are still pissed off with this call. But uh, if this were a, um, um, but because this is a community-owned team, I think it'll be easier for some people to swallow um, than if it were privately owned. Uh, and you're right. Uh, let's say they don't do this, and then the line, and then the bombers get into financial trouble and end up folding. Well, then they're still not going to pay you back, and you've got a stadium that nobody's playing in. That still needs to be paid for. So, in reality, they're probably this was the smart move to do. Uh, there's probably going to be a lot of people that are not going to be um, happy about it. But um, short-term pain for long-term gain, I guess, is kind of the motive they're going for there. Okay, let's throw another twist at this. Let's just say this was a privately owned uh, football team. I owned them. Christopher owned the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Okay. And I had this debt of $4 million a year plus interest that, and all of a sudden I couldn't pay it. What would happen to the football team? What would become a community owned football team? Because the province would have to assume them to continue having a tenant in this new stadium that they now own and don't have anybody paying in the bills. So Mm -hmm. bottom line is this was, this can only happen with a community owned team. It's either a privately owned team about to be community owned or it's community owned because either way, the taxpayers have to own the team for them to come out and do something stupid like this. That's Basically, kind of my case. Yeah. Right? So I don't have a problem with it. It had to happen. I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think it's wrong. I don't think anything about it. I think this is the best decision that could have been made and should they have made it before the bombers made 17 million dollars in payments or the bombers pissed off that they made such payments what would happen if they had defaulted in the first year that would have been funny okay anyhow Mm -hmm. let's move on okay we're done our agenda i want to go off and do a couple other things we got a few minutes here we got about nine minutes left let's go with the cfl simulator did you guys take a look at this thing odds to make the playoffs calgary stampeders 99.9 Ottawa Redblacks, 99.9. Hamilton Tiger Cats, 99.26. Saskatchewan, 97.72. Edmonton, 90.33. 
And the BC Lions, 85.13. Winnipeg Blue Bombers, 26. Drops drastically, really fast there, eh? So they, they are predicting right now Winnipeg, Toronto, and Montreal to miss the playoffs. Odds of Montreal making the playoffs right now, 0.19. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, odds to win the West. Calgary Stampeders, 98. Saskatchewan, 1. BC, 0.06. Bombers, nah, negligible. Less than 1%. Less than 0.01%. Okay, who do they think is going to win the Grey Cup? Chris. Odds to win the Grey Cup. Jesus uh, is really hard. I, I don't think that the story has all been told. I mean, it has to to make well, it hasn't obviously, but I mean, like I Ottawa is so inconsistent and Saskatchewan is streaky and Calgary's on its way there again, but are they actually going to win it? Uh, you know, like I don't know. I I I hesitate to. It's like picking the games a little bit, but to the extreme, right? You're you're trying to make that ultimate one. So, percentage-wise, am I you know argue with Calgary being at well? What did they put it? 100 percent, 99.9. To and is that to win or is that just to be in the Great Cup? That's to make the playoffs. That's to make to the make, playoffs. Just to make the playoffs. They've already oh, okay. made the playoffs. It's pretty much a, a, yeah. a done deal, right? So this is to appear in the Grey Cup. Calgary's at 80%. Ottawa's at 68. Ticats are 21. BC is 10. Saskatchewan, Edmonton goes downhill from there. And then the three that missed the playoffs. Uh, here's the huh. one that I like the best is what the most likely Grey Cup matchups would be. Who do you think right. would be in the Grey Cup this year? Charles, I always. I'm sorry, Chris. Go ahead. I just, yeah, Go I was ahead. just. I, I think. I think it was. It, it's. Uh, I think the crossover is going to maybe actually happen this year, and there'll be two West teams. And I've said it before, and I've always been wrong, but I don't. I don't know. I just. I have a feeling that it'll be two West teams this year. Um, who that's going to be? I don't know, because again, it's too close to tell who's going to cross over. But I. I. I got a gut instinct. We're going to set the big record and do two West teams in the Grey Cup. That's interesting. I like that perspective. Charles, what do you think is going to happen here? Who do you figure is going to be in the Grey Cup? What teams? I just see Calgary getting through this year. And uh, again, even though they don't seem to do well when they get there, um, but I'm going to say Calgary is going to get in and, I really want to pick BC because I think they'll be the crossover, but um, I'll go east-west, and I'm going to say Calgary will get in, and I think Hamilton. I think Hamilton. I really still like them better than Ottawa, so I think it'll be Calgary-Hamilton. 17.82% chance of that happening. Will, what do you figure? I, I'm... From what I've been watching lately, I'm going to say right now in here, it's going to be Calgary and BC in the Grey Cup. Okay, I'll tell you what. This is kind of funny. There is five different combinations that they have picked, okay? That, and the combinations are Calgary-Ottawa, 
Calgary, Hamilton, Saskatchewan, Ottawa, Calgary, BC, and Edmonton, Ottawa. So they don't think there's going to be a Saskatchewan, Hamilton, and they don't think there's going to be an Edmonton, Hamilton, but they actually figure there's going to be a Calgary, BC. Now, the odds of that happening are 5%, but the Edmonton, Ottawa is 3.6. Saskatchewan and Ottawa is 5.9. So, you know, short of... I don't know. I think this is kind of cool. I'd love to see an all-West Grey Cup in Edmonton. You couldn't do it in Toronto. It wouldn't work. Nobody'd go. I'd love to see it, too, because I'll be there. I'd love to be be there on the Lions. Will's going to be there cheering on Calgary. Yeah, it's, it, it could be a. It, it, it would be neat to have an All West final on this finally, because I mean the crossover is a crossover. Eastern team has never crossed over to the West, never. And you know what? And I've been saying this for years, and much to the chagrin of all the Argo fans that I know out there, it will never happen. Mathematically, it cannot happen. Okay, it, it an Eastern team cannot cross over to the West. It's it's it ridiculous to even comprehend the concept it won't happen i mean it's a challenge just for the eastern division to stop the crossover (laughs) never mind actually have two more teams that are there come on for the crossover to happen go ahead charles i was gonna say maybe if we finally have an all-west gray cup it will uh force the um the teams in the East to smarten up and take it take the regular season seriously, so we stop having the crossover. Who knows? See, for an Eastern crossover to happen, you have to have four all four teams in the East to have stellar records. That's impossible when they play each other. Okay, now because they play each other more often than they play the Western teams, right? So for that to happen, and then you need three, three teams in the West to shit the bed. How often does that happen? Well, you know, it it looked pretty ugly a few years back, but it still didn't happen. Okay, this show's over. I just got told by the blog talk. Uh, Okay, this has been Let's Talk CFL Podcast, episode number 284. I've been your host, Christopher Jones. We've been talking football. Big shout-out to our buddy Chris. Welcome back to the show, man. It has not been the same without you, buddy. It really hasn't, and I'm glad you're back with us. Uh, Thank you. You did say goodnight, my friend. Well, thank you very much. That's uh, nice to know, and I I missed it myself. I... uh, We've got lots of friends and a couple of more CFL fans, but uh, nobody talks the same level as you guys, and uh, that's why I listened to the show for years before I uh, joined, and I, I really enjoy being part of it. Yeah, well, we're we're all glad you're back. We did miss you. We've said that on numerous of times. We miss your expertise. <laughs> Charles, say good night. Good night, folks. Uh, thanks for listening to us uh, this week, and enjoy the games coming up this weekend. We'll talk to you Sunday night for sure. William, yep. say good night. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Watch football this weekend. Go out. Go out. Beat them riders. Good night, guys. Cheers. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.